Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus healthcare at the following show contains adult content. It's not our intent to offend anyone, but we want to inform you that if you are a child under the age of 18 or get offended easily, this next show may not be for you. The content, opinions, and subject matter of these shows are solely the choice of your show hosts and their guests, and not those of the Entertainment Network or any affiliated stations. Any comments or inquiries should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening. Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. to be superwoman today, but I do claim to be the show host for Caregiving SOS today, and so thankful to have you with us wherever you are in the world today. Um, I think that we need a not-so-strong adult content (laughs) message at the beginning of the show. We need kind of a middle-of-the-road thing, so we're not going to say things to offend you today, but we are going to talk about sexuality. And um, obviously, there are some things that you can talk about when you're talking about sexuality that may be a little sensitive. So we wanted to cover that base right off the bat. So, you know, it's interesting because we make a vow when we 
attach our life to someone. We say that, you know, we're going to love, honor, and cherish till death do you part. But, you know, there are many, many life circumstances that come in along the way. And I'm not going to debate those today. Uh, You know, this isn't a uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. But it is a fact of life. And things happen. And when we become a caregiver, or for that matter, when we become a care receiver, things will change in life. That's one thing you can be pretty sure about, whether or not you've made that vow with someone, whether you've married them or you've uh, taken a love vow or whatever your situation, whether it be a partner, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, there are things that happen and they're going to be bumps in the road. And unfortunately, too often those bumps in the road can result in people not being together. Um, They can also result in uh, a need to change the way that we focus on sexuality and intimacy. Recently, when I was um, considering uh, and and signing on special guest experts, I almost immediately came to my mind my friend Barbara Musser, Sexy After Cancer, because this is such a huge topic to discuss. Um, We're all human. We all need that closeness. We all need that sexuality. We all need to feel like a man or feel like a woman through what we are as sexual beings. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my wonderful guest expert, Ms. Barbara Musser, who found her life transformed from a regular person without cancer to a cancer survivor on her 37th birthday. And she has been a sex educator and workshop facilitator for 20 plus years. She supported many women and their partners and families along the breast cancer journey and many other um, sexual concerns. So welcome back as always, Barbara. So wonderful to have you here. Hi, Joni. I always love our conversations. I'm happy to be here with you today too. You know, I love them too because, you know, some things I think it may be natural to want to, well, I won't say sweep under the rug, but I think in a lot of cases um, do like the ostrich and stick her head in the sand. You know, it's much easier to ignore that than it is to talk about it. And, you know, I've admitted openly to you um, as a caregiver for Gordon that through the course of our relationship as caregiver and care receiver, um, you know, when you're fighting for someone's life in a lot of situations, uh, you, you, you have to focus solely on that. And too many other things get kind of sidestepped and, and through the end of the journey, uh, I was feeling much less of a woman. And I freely admit this. Right. Right. I mean, it, it's easy to see how it can happen because in the midst of the trauma of a diagnosis and treatments, um, you know, who wants to talk about sex necessarily or who feels sexy? And it's really easy for it to slip through the cracks. And then all of a sudden, there's this gap that's grown and people don't know how to bridge that gap. It's kind of, it's kind of like a cat stuck mm-hmm. up in a tree, right? You get up a tree and you don't know how to get down. Exactly. 
You know, and and thinking about what it means to be a sexual person, um, you know, it, you need to feel beautiful, whether or not you are beautiful or not. And when your husband is, when you're shaving your husband's head or holding his head while he's um, throwing up into the toilet or many other situations that come up and, you know, obviously cancer patients have many things and this is not just cancer. You know, we, we don't want to just talk about cancer. We want to talk about every life situation. You can feel weaker, tireder, you know, when you're sick. And, you know, it becomes harder to have the intercourse part of a sexual relationship. But what I like is when you're on my show, we can talk about it being more. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's an interesting thing because um, intercourse is actually such a small part of the equation of our sex lives. When you stop and think about it, um, with all that goes into flirting, seduction, kissing, um, foreplay, warming up, and, and then if, if intercourse is involved, intercourse. But it's actually, intercourse only lasts a few minutes. And so it's a very small percentage of the whole. But it's the part of the equation that we focus on because we live in a culture where we're trained that that's, that's the brass ring to go for, right? Is to have intercourse and to have an orgasm and to help our partner to have an orgasm. But, but when we focus on that, we miss this whole wonderful other journey that's happening at the same time. And, you know, again, it's not how often you do it. It's the ways that you do it. And, and I, I, you know, what I jumped completely over the National Women's Survivors Convention. We'll talk about that after break. Okay. Um, I just jumped right into the subject today. <laughs> and I was so excited about it. But, you know, thinking about some of the ways, um, you know, just the fact that, you know, when you talk about wanting another person, when you have a discussion and you talk about that 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 in and of itself is foreplay in many situations well that's right and and there's a whole lot of aspects that go into um, having us feel desire or wanting or wanted and it's it's not just the mechanics of what happens in our body it's our emotions it's our thoughts it's our spirits it's the energy that's all around us and I mean those of us who have illness or some kind of trauma in the picture, know how delicate that balance actually can be. And so, you know, if you're not feeling good about yourself, it's not so easy to feel like you can just relax and and get turned on. It doesn't happen like that. There's so many possible disconnects that can happen. So that's why I like to focus on finding ways to create intimacy that feel good, that meet our needs for touch, for feeling loved, for feeling seen and accepted, and may or may not include our genitals. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it truly almost boils down in a lot of cases to true affection. And even that can be hard in some situations. Um, for example, you know, I hate to keep going back to Gordon, but obviously that's, that's a big part of why I do what I do in my caregiving experience. And, um, you know, when his white blood counts were terribly, terribly low, as a matter of fact, a nurse looked at us once, I asked what his white blood count was, and she said, what white blood count? Oh, boy. You know, but what white blood cell count 
you know, you don't exactly go around holding hands because you're thinking all the time, you know, okay, you might, if you like lather yourself with hand sanitizer, you know, <laughs> I mean, these are real situations that right. people get into, right. and not to mention even the brain illness thing, which I really, really want us to, to spend more time focusing on, um, you know, that in and of itself, you know, when you, when you say those vows, like I was talking about at the beginning of the show, where you make a commitment to someone, you know, to love them with all your heart, you don't think about that at some point in time, their brain might actually leave you and that person is not the same person. That's right. So, um, these are all difficult, difficult situations and hard on intimacy and uh, relationships. Right, right. And, you know, it's interesting because I was just having some conversations with a friend whose wife has very advanced Alzheimer's disease. And, you know, we were talking about the intimacy along their journey and and ways that they were able to keep it alive as much as they could. And sometimes it was as simple as him crawling into bed with her and laying behind her and spooning her. No words were exchanged. That was the extent of the touch, but they, their breathing would synchronize with each other and he could feel her body relaxing and she'd have a smile on her face. You know, there's things like that that we, we forget about. We, we forget what's possible. I had another um, couple that I was working with earlier this week where the, um, the treatments are finished for cancer. But what happened during the course of that is, and, and actually it was starting to happen before the cancer diagnosis and treatments, was that their inti- intimacy was starting to falter. And, I mean, this is something I hear from a lot of people. Well, you know, it wasn't so great before, and now it seems hardly worth the effort. Well, I think it's definitely worth the effort. But with this couple, I did something very um, simple but very powerful, and that was I had them sit on the sofa facing each other with their legs wrapped around each other. So they were close to each other physically and to... uh, simply take some deep breaths and look into each other's eyes and keep breathing and looking. And as soon as they started doing that, they both got tears in their eyes because they said, you know, we didn't realize we don't even look each other in the eye anymore. And so that simple act was a big part of helping them to reconnect with each other. And then I had one at a time, uh, each one cup the other's hand in their face and look, look at this face that they've known for a long time and they've known so well and to see to look into the eyes you know you've heard the adage that the eyes are the windows to the soul to look into their eyes and see the experiences of their lifetime there you can see the sadness you can see the joy you can see the grief you can see the fear you can see the the laughter and the playfulness it's all right there if if we look and there's something that happens when two people sit like that looking into each other's eyes and breathing and connecting first through the eyes, then their hearts feel connected, and then they, they start to feel more in sync with each other. And that in itself creates intimacy. We were all in tears within a few minutes, and they were amazed at how quick it was and how simple it was for them to build a big bridge back into intimacy. And again, you know, and I think this also comes along, I I hate to say it, but, you know, as you progress with age, 
you know, it's hard to say to somebody, um, Grover, did you take your pills today? Mm-hmm. And in the same breath say, wow, you're tushy. That's really cute. That's really strong. <laughs> it's looking good today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it's not necessarily that, that we want to be objectified in that way necessarily. I, I think what's underneath a lot of it is that we want to feel seen and loved and accepted just as we are. And, and that's so true. That's so true. And again, I think that that was another part of the reason, um, you know, I, I love being honest about things because when it's happening, a lot of times you don't see it. Right. When it's actually when you're actually going through it and it pays in relationships and boy, did I find this out in a really hard way lately, but it it pays in relationships to be uh, open with each other. And, you know, I think too often we try to um, ignore things, ignore those little things on a day to day basis that, you know, we just get caught up in too many details of other things until it's blatantly in our face. Right. It's hard to know. And, and, and it's for that reason, just what you're saying that one of the things I like to say, and I borrowed this from a a friend of mine, who's also a sex educator. And that is that communication is the best lubrication because that stuff that is left unsaid, no matter how small it is, it can, it's like, it's like the grain of sand in an oyster that grows into a pearl, it gets larger. And pretty soon it can fester and it can be the source of resentment or misunderstanding or miscommunication, whatever it is. So the more we can do to stay current in our communication and clean out those little things, the better off we are. And it's not easy because we're not trained to do that in our culture. We think we're supposed to know what, what's important to our partner and what to say and that we can just sweep things under the rug. But, you know, we sweep too many things under the rug and the rug gets full of big bumps and we can't walk across it. Absolutely. You are, you are so right about that. And uh, when it builds up over time, you're right, then you're tripping. <laughs> Yeah, right. And so it's important to take these things up on a daily basis. Now, there are some situations, of course, where either your partner can't communicate or, you know, and, and when it gets that situation, uh, it makes it even more, even harder. Right, right, right. And then for the caregiver, I think it's important to know that, a big part of your job is to love and comfort your your sweetie. And that's where a touch can become really, really important. Like I was saying a few minutes ago about my friend's wife with dementia. It's, she doesn't have her words anymore. They're gone. Um, nor is she um, conscious enough to make eye contact. But her body responds to the touch and the love. And it's also comforting for him, too. You know, we have so many nerve endings in our skin. And, you know, one of the things that's true is that our skin is actually our largest sex organ. We just don't think of it that way, but it is. Hmm. Interesting. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're exactly right. Um, touch can be, you know, a big part of things. And, you know, that's wonderful that even obviously she was in the later stages of dementia, she could still feel and still mm-hmm. relate. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And it was comforting to him because, I mean, he's already lost her, right? Mm -hmm. And um, physically, it's it's like in many many of these kinds of situations, it's it's like the death has already happened in some ways in terms of the death of this person and how you've known them, and yet they're still here in their body. And so, how can you find ways? to um, to maintain that connection. Um, that's one that's that's a really important one. Excellent. That's wonderful to know. And I, I have a question for you. But right now, um, I want to go to a quick commercial break uh, for ExerciseMD.com. And uh, we'll be right back with Barbara Musser and talk about this important topic. Exercise your way to health, your way. With experts online who will design an effective wellness program based on physical condition and level of activity for less than the cost of an hour with a personal trainer. Use the discount code SOS1 for a 10% discount. ExerciseMD.ca. That's ExerciseMD.ca. Start getting healthier today. Welcome back to Caregiving SOS with my wonderful guest expert, Barbara Musser. Barbara, um, one of the things that I was curious about as we were talking before, um, can people, a man or a woman with dementia, still have sexual feelings? Well, that's a great question. And so I've seen people with many different kinds of physical challenges, whether it's dementia or whether it's something else. Um, yes, our bodies respond. There, there's something about when you look at the design of a human body, we're designed for procreation and for sex. Just look at our genitals, look at our breasts, how that all goes. And so there's, um, there's a very strong... Um, biological, physiological response to stimulation so that even though there may not be any apparent cognitive processes, yes, our bodies still can respond. Um, do they feel pleasure? Don't know. Seems like it, but, you know, that may may simply be a physiological response. But, yes, the body does continue to respond. And, and, I, and I recently um, met a young woman who is in her early 20s, and she was born profoundly handicapped. And they have discovered that she's missing um, her part of her second chromosome. And so she doesn't speak. Um, she's not able to walk. And yet she ha- has fully developed breasts, and um, she has a monthly menstrual cycle. And, you know, she could, in theory, she could get pregnant and have a baby. So, you know, the, there's very strong things that, that continue to happen biologically in our body, no matter what our cognitive state is. But in many ways, I guess the biggest issue then, if that is the particular situation would be, it would be kind of like um, having a relationship with a stranger, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a concern, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people with spinal cord injuries, you know, that there are women with spinal cord injuries who become pregnant, carry to term. I was recently reading uh, an article um, in a magazine about a young woman who on her honeymoon um, experienced a spinal cord injury and she became a paraplegic. And she, and she wrote about how different sex is for her, that she doesn't have the same um, um, 
sensations in her body and that her her experience of orgasm is is very different but she does she has orgasms and she does respond so when when the mental capacities start to go yes it could be like having sex with a stranger um and i believe although i don't know this for certain but i i believe that when the loving is is still there and the loving attitude is still there on the part of the caregiver that it is yes it's not the same as it was before but it's still a loving and tender thing interesting because Mm -hmm. uh, you know it it again it's not truly a stranger but it is a stranger and you know i i you know the last 5 weeks of gordon's life you know i mean it was pretty intense because he right. uh had forgotten how to walk speaking of paraplegic i mean literally he had forgotten how to walk so mm-hmm. you know of course this was towards the end of the time but um again we could still love we could still kiss we could still hold each other mm-hmm. um you know we could still you know go through what we had to go through together um go ahead well i was going to say i think part of what's important for caregivers and i've seen this particularly where there's a dementia or mental changes involved is that the caregiver keeps hoping and trying to help the the person with the changed capacity to be who they were before. And that's not going to happen in most of the cases. So what's really becomes important then is to be able to cultivate a practice to be in the present moment and be with what's happening now. Because the more you as a caregiver hold yourself in that in that paradigm of comparison or trying to recover something that's happened before, the more upsetting that is for the caregiver. And the patient probably isn't as aware of that, or they may become a little confused about it. Like I saw it with my partner's mother, who also had really advanced Alzheimer's disease when I met her. And I I didn't have any history with her or any, any stories about who she was. So I was able to simply be with her and talk to her and laugh with her and hear her say what she said. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I talked, I watched both my partner and his dad with her and both, don't you remember this? And this was how it was. And it's gone. It's Mm -hmm. gone. And it just just caused... Right. And it just caused anxiety for all of them, where when I said, maybe you could just be with her as she is now, it started to loosen up for everybody. And it showed up in her, too. She was less um, agitated. Yeah, because that's a lot of pressure on them. To, right. Oh, oh, you need to be. I, I think of the. I think of the movies that have have been out, uh, movies and TV shows where the the person has uh, a temporary memory loss uh, due to amnesia or whatever the situation. And you know, people are are going like, "Don't you remember me? Or right. don't you know who I am? Or I'm right. your husband? Or I'm I'm your boyfriend? And don't you remember all that?" And they're like, "Well, no." 
Right. You know, and, and so in some courses, and I realize this is all Hollywood fiction, but, um, you know, once they started, you know, on new ground with a new relationship with, with a dementia patient that, you know, that could literally be every day, um, you know, that then it was a different situation. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that person is still a person and is still a woman. And that man is still a man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's basically what you're saying. That, that is what I'm saying. And the nature of intimacy and sexuality has to change. So we have to, we have to be able to be flexible with that and to um, either change or um, not have any expectations about it and still find ways to connect and derive pleasure. And that's why I think the power of touch is, is so important. I mean, and you know, there's been lots of studies done that babies that aren't touched don't thrive. You know, well, we're all that way. We're all that way. So touch has healing power. Touch has connective power. Touch can be very intimate and very loving. And um, with this couple I was talking about a few minutes ago, uh, I had them after they sat and looked into each other's eyes and breathed for a few minutes and then cupped the face in their hands to just explore each other's face with their fingertips. And I said, imagine if you had no, no visual sight and that the only way that you could know this person's face is by the information that you get through your fingertips. Well, and I had them close their eyes. And when you do that, it heightens the other senses. It's a very fascinating thing. What can happen? And that's kind of like, you know, when you're in bed at night and, and you know, you turn over to your partner and you feel him and you, you know, that's kind of what you're saying is, you know, it's it's that comfort of knowing that they're there and of being able to, you know, touch them and, and uh, really know them that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So let's talk about some other simple ways for caregivers to create intimacy with their partners. Okay. So one thing that I uh, suggest to people frequently is to take yourself back as much as you can to the beginner's mind of when you were a teenager and you first started getting interested in in sexuality. Oh, raging hormones, raging hormones. <laughs> well, right. But remember when you were a teenager sitting in the movie theater holding hands with somebody, that was sex, right? Because that was where all your attention was. That was so exciting. You maybe didn't know more about other things, but there was definitely electricity and fire and passion happening there in the holding hands and stroking hands and fingers. And similarly, when we first start kissing, I mean, don't you remember early makeout sessions where the energy is flowing through your body and it feels like you're on fire and it feels so big and it's very exciting and it's very scary and you want more, but you don't know what more is and this is enough and this is so big. I mean, I was having a conversation recently with my teenage daughter about this because she had her first boyfriend and I was asking if they were in love and if they'd been sexual together and she said well mom and I said well you know I am a sex educator and so I started talking about kissing and how how that felt and and she looked at me and she said how did you know (laughs) (laughs) but my point with that is that it must be the sex education not that she had ever done it before right Right, exactly. (laughs) 
But my point is, is that if we can take ourselves back to that before we had the experiences that we've had now and start with activities like that, it's extraordinary because somewhere along the line, we lost that. When we put the focus on intercourse and orgasm, like we were talking about earlier in this conversation. And so when, when we can go back to those early um, kinds of experiences and as a caregiver, to put ourselves in that frame of mind, maybe even take a minute and do a closed eye visualization and take yourself back to that and how that was and then bring that to your partner and make love to their hand. Make love to their feet. You know, there's, there's something very magical that can happen there. And part of it is the intention of the caregiver, um, which encompasses the mindset and the attitude. And that transmits energetically and through touch to your partner. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, and it seems like to me also, you know, basically what you're doing in some ways is you're fantasizing. Because well, you're right. you're put, putting your mind in a place that you know will kind of open it for intimacy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and that's our other big sex organ is our brain, right? <laughs> it's our skin and our brains are the two biggest ones. And and absolutely, it can be a form of fantasizing. It can also be. I mean, I'm of the school of of belief that our thoughts are what create our our beliefs and and it's our beliefs that shape how we experience whatever is happening around us. So yes, if we work with our thoughts and our beliefs and shift our consciousness into one of love, of eroticism, of touch, of arousal, yes, all of that transmits to our partner. And yes, I mean, I've talked with lots of people um, who are able to have orgasm without ever touching another person. They do it with their thoughts. They do it with moving the energy around their body. So, you know, the mind is a very powerful, powerful organ. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing that I think it can be a positive influence, but it, it can also be a negative influence because there's also, in many cases, uh, guilt. Well, you know, that's Even right. though we don't, in some cases, this is something that we enforce on ourselves, but there's the guilt. Well, that's right. And I was just talking with somebody earlier this morning about something that happens in your life, and it's our mind that has us perceive that as either an obstacle or an opportunity. So guilt doesn't really necessarily have a lot of value. And, and yet it's easy to get stuck there. So I think it's really important for caregivers to, and care receivers to, when, when they find themselves going down into a dark path or a negative thought process, to become aware of that and to consciously choose a thought that has you feel better, that up, uplifts you in some way. Because that that is what will start to shift it. It's really how we feel about something that um, is the most important part. And we all want to feel happy. Well, we can, we can go a long way in that direction by shifting our thoughts. So, for example, last night I woke up in the middle of the night with my mind going a million miles a minute, right, because I'm getting ready to go to this conference next week. And there's lots and lots of details. And 
I looked at the clock. It was two o'clock in the morning and I thought, oh boy, I'm not ready to get up. And so what I did was I consciously laid there and felt the softness of the fabric of the sheets against my skin. I felt Mm. the mattress cradling and supporting my body. I felt the softness of the pillow. I felt the weight of the blanket. I felt I had my feet um, crossed and I felt the skin on uh, the sole of one foot uh, against the skin on the top of the other foot and re- really focusing on those things and shifting my thoughts to, oh, I'm relaxing myself physically. This all feels really, really good to me. And I'm going to fall asleep and sleep soundly and wake up refreshed and rested. And that's exactly what happened. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Our minds are so, so powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, Barbara, let's take a short break and we're going to come back and talk about uh, what the, the presentation you're giving next week at the National Women's Survivors Convention. So uh, we'll take a break. Sounds good. This face I know from the start These smiling eyes have placed a chill into my heart And there'll be times when we're apart I keep you right with me with all my best regards Never told you that the world is always fair I always want you of the times when you despair I cannot defend you, but I'll try and will be there All that I can give is care that I can give is care Carefully you've planned your part The steps you make were never meant to lead so far Are you prepared to play this cards? Did you consider it will be a little hard? I never told you that the world is always fair I always want you of the times when you despair I cannot defend you, but I'll try and will be there Care. 
Welcome back to Caregiving SOS. Uh, Today we're talking about intimacy and we're talking about sexuality. When you're a caregiver uh, taking care of a care receiver and uh, your partner, uh, your partner, your spouse, your friend, your uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever the situation may be, uh, what are the things that can get lost along the way is your sexuality. But before we get back to that, uh, we want to talk about, um, back with Barbara Musser. Thank you, Barbara. I can't forget you. <laughs> You're kind of important. Um <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I just go off on my own little tangent. Um, The National Women's Survivors Convention, uh, for all you women who are cancer survivors, is taking place in Nashville, Tennessee at the Gaylord um, Resort and Conference Center. Uh, July the 31st, next Thursday, July the 31st, actually, um, it starts technically, there are some things going on on Wednesday, uh, through August the 2nd, Saturday, August the 2nd. And when we say through August the 2nd, it's not half a day. It's all the way there are things going until the following day, uh, well, through through the evening on the 2nd. So plan to stay if you can. The website is Survivorville. Um, survivor and Ville, V-I-L-L-E dot org. You can learn all about it there, and I'm sure that they're still signing up people like Matt. And, and Barbara is actually going to be there as a presenter this year. So talk a little bit about that, Barbara. Oh, I'd love to. So this is the second um, year that they've done this event, and the ex- they're expecting a 1,000 women there with all different types of cancer. And um, I've been invited back this year to present again, and I'll be giving two workshops on cancer and sexuality, one on Friday morning and the other on Saturday morning. And um, the first one is called It's Not Over Yet. And the second one is The Best is Yet to Come. And between those two, each workshop will be an hour, and they're going to be interactive. So between those two workshops, I'm going to provide a whole array of tools um, for women to um, to rekindle their desire, their intimacy, their sexuality, to, um, to do some internal processing, to have tools to know that they're beautiful and desirable and sexy, and then some things to do to wake up their libido. Because lots of times cancer treatments are designed, particularly breast cancer treatments, are designed to suppress hormone production. And our libido is related um, to our hormonal flows, but not entirely dependent on that. So I'm going to be presenting some really cool tools. And it's going to, like I said, it's going to be participative and interactive. So I'm going to have women actually doing these different uh, processes and procedures. There also are going to be continuing education units given for healthcare providers, which I think is really great. And um, I am going to be, I have a box full of samples that I'm going to have to give out to women of different lubricants. And there's a pamphlet about a really wonderful program called the Vaginal Renewal Program, which is wonderful. And um, I will also have a a table in the exhibit hall where I'll be selling books. And I'm also offering um, some different classes for people who want to dive in deeper with that. Because what I found is that this whole conversation um, that I so love having this with you, Joni, because this whole subject of, in this case, cancer and sexuality, but illness and sexuality, trauma and sexuality is one that needs to be had. And it doesn't happen often in the doctor's office because what, what they tell me is that 
these days with managed care, I don't really have time. Or I'm happy to answer questions if my patient asks, but that's really code for, I don't know how to talk about this. Exactly. And a lot of patients, because they don't know that one of the side effects of their treatments might be the impact on their intimate and sexual life, they don't know to ask any questions about it. Or if it's a woman and she has a male doctor, she might not feel comfortable doing that. So it's a whole thing that goes undiscussed. And yet, um, the Livestrong Foundation did a poll a couple of years ago, and they, and they found that the top three issues among cancer survivors across all cancers and all age groups is chemo brain, fatigue, and sexual difficulties. Mm. And that is really interesting. I mean, it's a huge, huge thing. And, and these days, with more sophisticated diagnostics and earlier diagnosis and more sophisticated treatments and people living longer, the side effects and quality of life issues come front and center. And um, the medical profession is not prepared to deal with this. So I come in as a 25-year breast cancer survivor um, who, you know, I've been on this journey myself personally. And that's one of the things that I think makes me compelling as a presenter and as a speaker because I know firsthand what it's like to be on this journey and to be on it for a long time. And I, and couple that with that, I love to talk about sex and there you have it, you know, (laughs) (laughs) perfect combination. (laughs) It's a perfect combination. And I try out everything I teach. I try out on myself, you know, so lucky me, you know, I, (laughs) (laughs) that is pretty lucky it's good being you sometimes that's right that's right so I'm very excited about this about this conference and um you and I were there last year and they have learned a lot from from the experiences last year they've made some changes to the formatting and to the number of events that are happening simultaneously um and I think it's going to be a fabulous fabulous event and of course, you know, I'll just mention very quickly that, you know, if anybody is listening and they are going to be there, uh, please get in contact with us, uh, the wonderful, wonderful, world-renowned author and um, photographer uh, Kathleen Fitzgerald is going to be there to take your picture, Barbara. Yeah. Uh, and we, you and I are, are sisters in the fact now that we're both going to be in her upcoming book, uh, which I'm very excited about, called Solo about women that are uh, alone in their life or not married specifically and uh, are happy to be that way. And so um, Kathy will be there taking pictures of women survivors and and documenting the essence of of female survivorship uh, of cancer. So I'm very excited about that. So if anybody's around come and see me. Yeah. And I'll be happy to um, mention that in my workshops too. Please so. do. Please oh, do. Because absolutely. you know, here's, here's the thing as well. And I was actually talking about that this morning and I'm going to challenge you here. <laughs> Don't you love it when that happens? Yeah. Um, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when I actually see you next week. Um, but what I want to talk about, I think the next show that we're together uh, is romance. Because mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, I think in a lot of ways that romance is dead. 
Mm. And, and it's such a shame. You know, I think we've gotten away from the basic foundation of romance. We've talked about a lot of things today. We've talked about intimacy, sexuality, uh, touching, and, and different things like that. And that's all a part of romance. But there's many other ways to romance your partner. And uh, it's something that I would like to certainly see a revival of uh, because yeah. it is such a part of sexuality is something that gets lost when you're running the kids back and forth to school or again if you're caregiving and you're trying to make sure that your patient um the one that you love your spouse quote spouse slash care receiver slash patient uh (laughs) takes all their pills today and uh gets a gets a bath and and you know gets um you know gets a little bit of exercise and and all of the things gets to treatment on time, gets to their tests on time. And, you know, how can you have some romance? But you right. still need to take time to focus on uh, doing something nice for that person and right. spending that good quality time together, whether it's just reaching over across the couch and, you know, holding hands and, um, you know, whatever that case might be. So next time we get together, let's talk about romance. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. That's a good favorite topic of mine. So we have a date. Yes. 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 <laughs> and yes, it's yes. not just a national <laughs> next week. Well, again, I want to thank my dear friend, uh, Barbara Musser, sexyaftercancer.com. And I put that in the chat room as well. And uh, Barbara, as always, it's a pleasure to be with you. It just feels like we just sat around the dining room table and talked about the wonderful topic of sex. <laughs> and uh, But it is such an important topic. Uh, we need normalcy in our life. And to be uh, normal, uh, you know, last week, just like, you know, this week we're talking about normalcy. And last week we talked about going to functions with your care receiver. And it, again, this is all normalcy. Life is about Uh, to a certain extent, normalcy, but it isn't about redundant normalcy. We have to be able to change, to grow, to adapt, and these are all things that will keep a relationship strong. So I want to thank my my dear friend Barbara Messer again, and I want to remind everybody tomorrow on Treatment SOS, we're going to have quite a heavy-duty show tomorrow on Treatment SOS. We're going to talk about everything from gastric cancers to pancreatic cancer to a esophageal cancer very very important show tomorrow on treatment sos at 2 p.m eastern time this is joni aldrich j-o-n-i-a-l-d-r-i-c-h.com please tune in to iheart talk radio and look me up under joni aldrich and listen to past episodes of the shows there and have a wonderful evening Thank you.